Welcome to the Red Dice Diaries RPG podcast with John and Hannah. Hi. We're going to be looking at a, another monster from the AD&D 2nd edition Monstrous Manual as part of our Friend or Foe Friday. And we're going to be comparing that to 5th edition, if possible. Maybe having a look at a few other books and giving a few ideas as to how you could maybe spice up your use of this monster in your game. Okay, so let's have a quick dice roll to see what letter we're going to be looking at. Okay, it's 21. That's a U. And how many monsters are there with the letter U? Six. And we've already done one of them. Okay, so let's roll a D6 then. Two. That is Undead Death Tyrant. Beholder. Oh, yeah, that's, that's the Beholder variant. Yeah, I remember that. Okay, so you know, flip to page 21 so and we'll Beholders. see what's in there. Yeah. And Beholder Kin. Yeah, obviously we all know the basics of Beholders from D&D and the famous computer game, of course. Big floating aberrations, these huge sort of eyeballs and mouths with loads of little tentacles coming off them or eye stalks, if you prefer, each of which has an eye at the end and can normally dole out some magical rays and such like from the various different eyeballs so we're looking at the death tyrant specifically which is it on that page or is it on the second page oh there's actually three or four pages about yeah there's loads of beholderkin there's like death tyrant okay so what does it say about the death tyrant in the AD&D second ed monster manual love it says that they're rotting mould encrusted beholders ugh yeah, pretty much what you'd expect an undead beholder to look like. Milky film covering their eyes, that's a nice detail. Yeah, so that makes sense, because you sit out and fish, don't you, when they've been yeah. dead for a long time. Undead beholder can use all the powers of its surviving eyes, just as it did in life. The powers of two to five of those eyes, uh, which are selected randomly, are lost due to injuries or death. Well, that's a nice touch. Charm powers are lost during undead. Mm-hmm. Uh, an eyes that charmed can either have a weaker hold monster effect or, or, or they're just useless yeah just useless um, they're immune to sleep charm and hold spells does it say anything about whether they have like any sort of volition of their own or are they literally just like mindless like undead that have been raised by somebody it says if not controlled by another creature through magic hangs motionless until its creator's instructions are fulfilled so it is a mindless undead then it would appear to be so. Okay. In most cases, they're created through the magic of evil beings, from humans to illithid villains. Um, oh, so get me the old mind flares in there. And some outcast magic-using beholders have been used, have been known to create them. Oh yeah, because I, I vaguely remember there's a thing where like the beholders like centralized, like the normal beholder. It's like an anti-magic cone. But there was there was some sort of magey variant that sort of deliberately like like put out like its central eye or something so it could focus like majorly through some of the other eye stalks and replace them with spells i vaguely remember that from like second day but they were like outcasts because like you know studying majorly which i was quite like because um beholders were always portrayed as like madly xenophobic and it was supposed to be like the reason there's not like loads of beholders like everywhere is because any beholder that perceives even a minor difference in like coloration or different number of eye stalks or even slight differences in size would turn on other beholders because they believe that their form was obviously the true beholder form mm. and that anything else should be wiped out <laughs> like the daleks yeah pretty much yeah yeah big floaty nutsack eye 
eyeball ray shooting say, Daleks. Yeah, the, pretty the much. Daleks even look a bit like them in the uh, Eccleston series, don't they? Yeah. Uh, Alright, okay, so that's it in the AD&D 2nd edition Monster Manual. Let's have a look, see what it says in the 5th edition Monster Manual. Have we got as many different kinds of beholders? I suspect not, because I was looking at page 5 on the uh, other book. Do Ah, beholders including the Death Tyrant. Boom. What's it say in the 5th edition Monster Book then? Well, do you want to read this one? Yeah, yeah, can do Okay, so it says here, I mean, the as you were saying, love, the, the sort of genesis of them in the, the AD&D second dead monster manual was pretty straightforward. Magician of some type raises dead beholder, creates mm-hmm. undead, boom, done. Nice and simple. And you'll find that with a lot of the undead in the second edition, AD&D and sort of before that, it's like evil wizard has cast a raised dead spell on X creature. This is what happens. However, as we've said before in a number of months, monster sort of episodes fifth edition often pushes a more sort of like mythic explanation for them so this is what we get for the death tyrant on rare occasions a beholder's sleeping mind drifts to places beyond its normal madness imagining a reality in which it exists beyond death when such dreams take hold a beholder can transform its flesh slowing away to leave a death tyrant behind a death tyrant appears as a massive naked skull with pinpoints of red light gleaming in its hollow eye socket with its eye stalks rotted away ten spectral eyes hover above the creature and gaze in all directions mm, so it looks very <clears throat> different then yeah it, it almost sounds more like a lich rather than your mindless zombie slash skeleton yeah, that, which is that what one the... sounds a lot more zombie and yeah this and one it's a lot more in here it's casting them in the roles of like these deathly despots where they pretty much like use their abilities to have hordes of undead servants so they're very much casting them in the sort of evil undead villainous mastermind sort of role mm-hmm. in here um they even have an ability called armies of the dead where a death tyrant embracing an undead embracing undeath becomes an engine of destruction uh blah 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 it says, if left unchecked, a death tyrant might wipe out the population of a city in weeks, then set its undead eye on wider conquest. As each settlement falls, the death tyrant's zombie forces build to overwhelming numbers. So I'm just going to see what it has in terms of ability. Oh yeah, there we go. So instead of a negative, en- instead of a, a negative magic cone, they get a negative energy cone mm-hmm. from the central eye, which basically. If you hit anything that's dead in it or you kill stuff in it, it, it's a zombie under your control. So, yeah, they're really casting them as sort of like the ultimate undead villains. And whereas in AD&D Second Dead, it was like, oh, they're sort of rotten, they're falling to pieces. Some of their eye stalks don't really work properly, etc. In this, they've got like floating spectral eye sockets. They're a bit ghostly, a bit sort of undead. Like, say, a bit more like the Lich, the sort of archetypal mm-hmm. leader of the undead. Yeah, so... That's pretty interesting. Again, I've got to say I prefer the second ed artwork. I don't know. I mean, I've got to say here, I really do quite like that artwork. And obviously you guys can't see this, but to give you some idea, the, the Death Tyrant in the AD&D second ed monster manual just looks like this shriveled, withered sort of carcass with some limp uh, eye stalks hanging down and this milky white central eye. Whereas in the 5th edition monster manual, it's this entirely skull-like, it has this burning red glow in its central eye socket and these pinpoints of red light which are the spectral eyes floating around it and i've got this is probably one i can see why you like that one but this is probably one of the few cases in which i prefer the fifth edition 
artwork. I mean, normally, yeah, the older artwork all day, every day, but for this, especially, well, I think to be fair, it depends what they're going to be used for, because I think the AD&D artwork is certainly more appropriate for a zombie-like minion. Mm. However, it's in 5th edition, yeah. they've upgraded it to like a lich-like overlord, and the yeah. artwork in 5th edition is certainly more appropriate for that. Okay, so I think the, the issue we're going to face, as with some very specific monsters, as we've said before, is there's probably not a lot of mythology connected with Beholders, I'm going to guess, because I think they're pretty I much a D&D no thing. I have no idea where it came from. Okay, so according to the Wikipedia page on Beholders, which I'll put a link to in the show notes, the Beholder is among the Dungeons & Dragons monsters that have appeared in every edition of the game since 1975. They're one of the few classic Dungeons & Dragons monsters that Wizards of the Coast claim as product identity and as such was not released under the open game license. So it's obviously a monster that's been invented specifically for D&D. Okay, so we get a little more in the Wikipedia entry. It can confirms that it's an aberration as we said earlier which are these strange sort of twisted beings often that come from different spheres of existence and they are extremely xenophobic as we touched on earlier every beholder believes that their exact body template and structure is the platonic ideal of the beholder form and even the slightest variation of that can lead to genocidal purges trying to destroy these aberrant beholders which is pretty ironic really given like how many different variants there are mm. in the rulebook i mean the beholder must be one of the creatures that has the most variants throughout like dnd i mean there's a ridiculous amount of them and that's just in a couple of books we've looked at i certainly know there's other books on our shelves that have got even more variants in i know that back in the day of AD&D, they did a when they were doing a, a load of supplements they did one on mind flayers and they did one on beholders which was all about their society and had numerous different variants and stuff like that the book in question was called appropriately enough i tyrant and it was one of the advanced dungeons and dragons monstrous arcana books published for the second edition of AD&D in 1996. 93-page book, had loads of different illustrations of various different types of beholders, covered their society, what magic items they could use, there were psionics rules for them, and it generally expanded the race, and there were a lot of different variants included in it. And in fact, I'm pretty sure that the, the beholders even appeared in the, the old D&D like cartoon series. I'm sure they did. Possibly. I don't remember. Been a while since we watched well, those just DVDs. Check on the internet. The internet will tell me. And boom, 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 boom. Yeah, D&D cartoon in yeah, there we go. called Eye of the Beholder. Which, obviously, <laughs> Beauty in the Eye of the Beholder is a is a sort of classic phrase. I know I've not said it exactly right there, but and obviously the computer game was called Eye of the Beholder, etc. So, but the actual monster itself is pretty unique to D&D, it looks mm. like. I mean, I've always thought of it as quite a Lovecraftian sort of a monster with all, like, the tentacles and the crazy sort of yeah. xenophobia, but... Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of the sort of aberrations lean that way a little bit. I mean, like, your illithids and stuff well, like yeah, that. Well, yeah, they're, they're all quite Lovecraftian, aren't they? Yeah, 
they're, they're the sort of slimy, tentacly monsters, <laughs> aren't they? The aberrations. Uh, and before anyone like voicemails in to tell me, yes, I know that not all aberrations are slimy, tentacle things, but let's face it, a lot of them are. <laughs> okay, so we've not managed to find, for obvious reasons, any sort of mythological antecedents to beholders because they were created for D&D. But one of the central facets of beholders, that of the, the power that emanates from their eyes and these special abilities they can do, petrification, anti-magic, stuff like that, there are a fair old amount of creatures in mythology that deliver their power or a curse through their gaze so for example we've got like the medusa you know if you look on the medusa it's not directly her gaze but looking on the medusa can turn you into stone uh, the basilisk the uh which is like a little green lizard with gold eyes they're actually a real kind of lizard and they do look amazing and their eyes are really hypnotic but they're also a sort of a mythological lizard monster that's anything from, like, the giant snake in Harry Potter to um, five-legged craziness in various different miniatures companies. Lots of different fantasy things have got a basilisk in there somewhere. Yeah, and I'm sure there are more creatures out there that deliver their sort of power bomb Cockatrice, I think, does as well. Yeah, so... But in terms of how you use a Beholder in a game, I think obviously the most obvious way of using them is they're the evil mastermind behind whatever's going on. I mean, we've we've got in 5th edition, we've got the book Xanathar's Guide to Everything, and Xanathar is like a Beholder who, if I remember correctly, is like a sort of criminal mastermind in Waterdeep and has all these different agents and all these different plans going because Beholders are, since they're effectively just like giant floating brains with mouths and eyes, they're perceived as being very intelligent mm-hmm. but like you were saying when you were comparing them to the Daleks earlier on mm-hmm. all that intelligence according to the rule book is bent to this sort of like xenophobic drive to prove themselves superior so the, the sort of archetypal way of using them is as the evil mastermind we've seen with the the death tyrant they could just be a servant who's been summoned by uh, a necromancer or whatever you yeah, we- see I quite like the idea of having one as the sort of secondary villain yeah because they are very clearly going to be quite treacherous oh yeah, yeah so maybe there's a way that the heroes can like bes- persuade the beholder to join with them to take down the bigger villain but then of course you've got to deal with a beholder afterwards I, I tell you what I quite like that that's a cool idea I tell you what I quite like that idea though because if you have your sort of like your death tyrant with more of its own intelligence as per the 5th edition one mm. I quite like the idea of like the reason the death tyrant is like doing whatever heinous acts it's doing is because it deliberately wants some adventurers to come and destroy it because, because it hates being a death tyrant yeah because can you imagine if you were alive and you were like yes I am the ultimate in beholderness this is what a beholder should be and you rapidly destroy anything imagine then suddenly you find yourself turned into this like rotting skull like thing and yeah okay you might have the cool floating spectral eyes and the glowing red eye but you're no longer that perfect thing you once thought you were now the the way beholders are portrayed in eye tyrant the supplement is they really sort of like lock into stuff and they really can't shake this xenophobia so i can imagine a beholder so hating itself so much of becoming undead but not being able to to actively take itself out because that would be sort of admitting it to itself 
However, if it does lots of evil stuff, it can trick itself into going, I'm doing this stuff because I want to do this like evil stuff and achieve all these goals. I'm definitely not doing it because they'll rouse up a posse of adventurers and come and take me out. So I think that could be a bit of an interesting spin on it. A sort of self-loathing beholder where its xenophobia has got to such a great extent that it now can't even stand itself but it but also it can't admit its imperfections consciously so it can't just terminate itself i do also think that it would take a very skilled gm to be able to get that across to most player groups oh yeah yeah (laughs) it it, it would be quite difficult to get that across but i think it'd be a justification as well for like maybe it can't admit to itself that it wants to be like wiped out but it's perhaps a justification as to why it doesn't bring all of its awesome power to bear against the, the heroes yeah fair and maybe, I don't know, maybe when you've taken it out, maybe you find some of its, like, memoirs or whatever. Or, <laughs> I, I don't know what a beholder does for, like, memoirs. But may, or maybe you find out that, like, this isn't the first party of adventures and it deliberately seems to have done things that don't really benefit it but that would provoke the most outrage mm. from people. So, like, it, most beholders, like, go after stuff because it it benefits them in some way so maybe this death maybe this death tyrant is like i've just destroyed a village there i've gained nothing from it but it knows like if it destroys a few villages a posse of heroes will turn up so you're saying it's basically a troll who's gonna bring uh, who's gonna grief the server for attention that, that those are definitely words i've heard from you young person so what else with beholders Okay, well, I think think beholders in general, there's lots of different niches they can fill because I know there's one which is... um, I forget what it's called on the second. Let me just have a quick look in the monster manual. Yeah, so there's the... um, there's the Eye of the Deep, which is like a water-breathing beholder with less eyes and crab claws. <laughs> and then there's the... Bum, 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 and the big tree one, I can't remember what it's called. The, oh, the Overseer. Yeah, and it resembles like a fleshy tree. And mm-hmm. it's normally... It, it tends to be put as like a, a watch guard or something like that. So I think because they're so... Despite being xenophobic, because they have so much variety in terms of their appearance, mm. they're a really easy creature to fit into specific like niches. And everyone knows them as like a big sort of baddie from D&D. True. I mean, even if you've already played a few D&D computer games you've heard of the beholder you know it's the big end of level thing with all the eyes and all the laser beams so now see while i'm aware of them i don't think i've ever actually encountered one or used one in a game well yeah i mean that, that's the point i was going to bring up i don't think they're particularly commonly used and i do wonder if that's just because of how lethal they are so well, if I, they are dirty so i'm just like flicking through the um, the ad&d dead monster manual now and looking here you can see that like even for a basic beholder it's like 14,000 XP to like to take one out and that's the basic model beholder with no like extras that fitted at the factory <laughs> so let's have a look in 5th edition see what the um, the old challenge rating is for the basic beholder challenge rating 13 so you only get 10,000 XP for a beholder in basic beholder in 5th ed D&D but mm-hmm. still challenge rating 13 on its Billy No Mates and if you fight a beholder yeah. it's probably not going to be on its own it's probably going to have some servants or agents so they are very deadly creatures and i wonder if that's why they don't tend to be used as Mm. much i also think part of the issue with them is like i say they're often portrayed as very calculating very intelligent they often have like networks of agents and portraying a sort of like a villain like that can be quite difficult as you were saying earlier because 
as we talked about investigation scenarios like a good few episodes ago now it can be quite mm. difficult to like leave those clues out and make sure everyone gets the clues and they yeah. sort of progress towards the situation so if you have like a big beholder behind this network of evil agents and the player characters never get anywhere near them you may as well not have had the beholder in the first place yeah that's true and I, and I think it's very difficult to give a satisfying sort of game experience with that sort of thing now if you do it right and the player characters work the way up and they're sort of like aha it's a beholder behind you and they topple the big boss man that's yeah. great you get a real sense of achievement from that but it's not an easy thing to do yeah so and but the, conversely if you just like plonk a beholder down like a normal monster it loses a lot of its impact indeed it, it's one where it's got lots of powers and if you don't use them all during a combat then it's not gonna be as scary as it should yeah and like I say, because they're intelligent, there's if a beholder's been like Xanathar in like Waterdeep, it's been there for like God knows how many years. It's going to have encountered adventurers before. Mm. It will have countermeasures ready. But if you portray it a hundred percent accurately, the player characters will have no chance against it, and that's not fun either. Mm. So if they're like, "Oh, we're going to go in and take this beholder out," and the beholders are like, "Oh, um." I levitate, I don't need to stand on the floor. So, in fact, the whole floor of this this room, which is my lair, apart from this like, central plinth where I've got my book on, it's an illusion over like a pit of lava or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's perfectly log- logical for a beholder to do, but it's not fun for the players as mm. they run in and they're like, oh, we're going to get you, oh, we're falling into lava and we've died. Mm-hmm. So, again, it's very, it's the same with any sort of vastly intelligent and calculating enemy. It's like if you're trying to play like a trying an NPC like an old vampire in like a World of Darkness game who's been around for like 500 years, they've got agents like like they're going out of fashion they've got resources they've got everything what chance does like a a, a pc who's been around for like 12 sessions yeah e- even if in dnd you've like you've slogged your way up to like 10th level or whatever and you're like oh we're going to take on that beholder in terms of the raw amount of time it's been around and the agents and power it could have garnered using its abilities you're really not going to stand a great deal of chance against it yeah so i think that's why they don't tend to get used very often but as we've seen, there are a number of different varieties of them, and there are certainly some lower-powered, less intelligent versions, which I think could be used quite easily. And I, I really, personally, I really love the idea of having a beholder as a big bad guy, but you've got to sort of work up to it. You've got to have like a long-term campaign going, and you've got to put that investment in to make sure you get the payoff at the end and concoct some decent reason as to why the beholder's not just like, oh, let me enact contingency plan 37B, and like just total the player characters immediately. Mm. So, in conclusion, beholder's really distinctive D&D monster, really difficult to use well. Yeah, exactly. They, they can be great, they, they've got a definite impact because everyone knows them, but as you say, they're very difficult to use effectively. And if you just throw one in as a monster and it's just like pew 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 pew, and then they kill it, you've not got the best out of using a beholder. And the next time you bring one in, it's not going to have as much impact. Yeah. So that's been our episode on beholders. We hope you've got something out of that. If you'd like to leave us a message, perhaps telling us how you'd use beholders in your game, then you can leave us a voicemail using SpeakPipe. There's a link in the show notes. Or you can send us an email to rddrpgpodcast at gmail.com. Until we see you next time, take care, stay safe, and keep gaming. Bye.